The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Ah, yes, back in one final time in the month of July. Can that be correct? It is correct on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. As we get ready for a triple header at Barclays Center Showtime, a PBC fight card featuring former two-division world champ Danny Garcia, featuring interesting heavyweights. We are looking forward to everything that's going to go on with that fight card to preview it, plus a special guest coming up straight ahead. I am merely TJ Reeves. He is our insider, Dan Rayfield. Back aboard, our content partner for BigFightWeekend.com and his Fight Freaks Unite Substack. Uh, a lot to get to, a little bit of news, fighter interview, fight previews, and much more. Are you ready to be done with July? We're about to be done with July. The dog days of summer, man. That's what they call this. No doubt. And uh, and about to flip that calendar. And again, Barclays Center in Brooklyn will have that triple header that we will discuss uh, coming up in a little bit. Um, uh, again, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and tease this. Dan, a conversation with Virgil Ortiz, the rising welterweight contender who's been out for a little while with a blood disorder. Uh, for Golden Boy Promotions, Golden Boy Boxing, he's back in action, not this weekend, next weekend, uh, where we've got another interesting uh, Jake Paul uh, pay-per-view main event also next weekend. But still, Virgil Ortiz, you're going to hear from him right here, right now, just real quick, uh, a conversation that you had earlier in the week with him about his comeback that has briefly derailed what was a, a rising career, maybe towards a title shot. He's anxious to get back in the ring. You talked to him this week. Oh, yeah, most definitely Virgil Ortiz is anxious to get back in there, and he hasn't fought. It'll have been just about a year uh, since his last fight, and he's one of the best young fighters in boxing. He's undefeated. He's 18-0. and He scored all of his victories by knockout. He has fought some good competition in the last several fights, including guys like Maurice Hooker, for example, who he knocked out. But he's, you know, he's been fighting a pretty solid group of guys. He's got Michael McKinson coming up. It'll be a hometown fight, essentially. He's a Dallas guy. The fight's taking place at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth, just uh, right next door. And remember, um, he and uh, McKinson were supposed to fight in March. And the week of the fight, a few days, you know, five days before the fight, whatever it was, uh, he ended up withdrawing because of this blood disorder uh, that he has overcome and is fine. Uh, but the fight was, was called off. And so McKinson fought a, a late notice replacement and, you know, ended up winning. And uh, when this uh, next date for Virgil came about, they weren't necessarily going to go right back to do the McKinson fight. They were looking at other possibilities. One of them was David Avanessian, which they had negotiated, had sent contracts to, had, for at least from the Golden Boy point of view, had agreed on all of the terms. And then the McKinson side, Frank Warren, tried to uh, change the terms or renegotiate certain aspects of it, and they were running out of time. And they basically were like, forget that. And they went back and signed McKinson to do the fight. McKinson is with Matchroom Boxing and Eddie Hearn. So they put that fight back together. And McKinson is undefeated, but he's only he's like 22 and 0, but only has two knockouts. So not a big puncher, but he is a southpaw. Uh, but anyway, the main the main point is here after basically a year off, Virgil Ortiz is ready to rock and roll again. And I don't know if he's got a very big name, top quality opponent in front of him, but a guy that has an undefeated record who might be slightly tricky because of his southpaw style and who is anxious for the fight, who signed for it once before, signed for it again. And he's coming to America with no fear. And so we'll see what he can do. And if Virgil wins, hopefully he can move on to a bigger and better name. And I'll tease this. I hope people listen to the interview. I asked him, I, I understand you got the fight coming up, but I know it's a very star studded deep weight class with a lot of good names in the welterweight division. Is there one guy that you would want to fight now? You know, obviously he wants to fight for the title, but you know, that's taken up by Spence and, and uh, Crawford. Sure. So one thing was, 
he gave me his thoughts on Spence Crawford on the, on, you know, going on the basis that we think that that fight will happen at the end of the year. But then he gave me a specific name of a top name in the weight class that he would like to fight. And I'll just tease that and people can listen and hear for themselves who he talked about in that particular section. World-class tease right there. Interview forthcoming in just a few minutes. And then we've got fight picks coming up in a little bit here as part of the big fight weekend preview. One more housekeeping item. We will be giving away the Devin Haney, George Cambosis uh, poster. Dan has an extra one from that undisputed world lightweight title win by Haney earlier this summer. Uh, his victory over Cambosis makes him the four belt world champion. We have been bribing you. I keep saying it. It's exactly true, but we love to bribe you with good things that if you rated us or reviewed us at some point in June or July, we would draw somebody at random that had rated us, reviewed us, and sent us a screenshot on social media where we could see it. So we're going to draw somebody for the poster. You'll get contacted coming up uh, here if you rated and reviewed as we release the podcast here on Friday. We've been taking everybody in June and July that's done that. Thank you to numerous ones of you that rated us, uh, that rated us and reviewed us over the last week to 10 days trying to get in to get the fight poster. Pretty cool memento. Just one more time. We're about to give it away for free to commemorate uh, Devin Haney becoming undisputed lightweight champion for the first time that we've had an undisputed lightweight champion since the early 1990s. So it's a pretty cool thing to have the fight poster from that fight, sir. Listen, people know me by now. If they're listening to the podcast or they're reading me on Substack or Big Fight Weekend or any other place I've uh, hung my hat, know that I'm a diehard uh, boxing collector with thousands and thousands of posters and uh, having an extra one of a, of a very historic fight. Happy to share the wealth uh, with those of us who we are able, able to bribe. All right. So we are bribing them. And so we'll give that away. Stand by for that. If you've been, and I've had a couple of people contacting me, when are you giving away the poster? Just stand by. We're going to do that this weekend. I, I pledged that when July ended, we would do the drawing. So we're about to do that here uh, through the month. And a reminder again, however you found us, follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera. Easiest way to get us. Don't have to worry about a social media link, et cetera. Preview podcast out, as I keep saying, for Friday morning, for Friday. Recap podcast comes off the weekend as well. Fight Freaks Unite recap. And you get interviews in between and other good content in between. Uh, Sean from TopHeavyweights.com uh, and I were chopping it up earlier in the week about uh, Adam, and he wants me to say it, Kovnaki. I mean, I keep hearing all no, these different That's not even, that's saying, not right. It's, it's Kaunaki, Kaunovsky, et cetera. Sean swears that from Kovnaki's people, it's Kovnaki. Take your pick. He's the Polish-American heavyweight that will be in the ring at Barclays Center coming up, but we chopped it up about what is a huge fight for Kovnaki that you and I are going to be talking about coming up. So I'll be saying Kaznowski, which is how it's supposed fine, to be said. All right, so say that. And by the way, just for the record, when I went to the Canelo Alvarez uh, fight in Dallas, Texas, when he fought uh, Billy Joe Saunders right. last year, I had dinner with Adam Kuznaski the night before, the, <laughs> a couple nights before the fight with him and his manager and a couple other reporters, my good friend Keith Ida from Boxing Scene and, um, and uh, Chris Algieri, who also has uh, Keith Connolly, who is their manager. And yes, uh, Keith picked up the tab. Uh, but anyway, I sat next to Adam and uh, that's how you say his name. So that's from the horse's mouth, figuratively, yeah. right there at dinner in Dallas. Yes, sir. And again, and again we're all about this. By the way, Adam, Adam is a, Adam's a really great guy. He's, I mean, putting, putting his heavyweight boxing uh, career aside and him as a fighter, he's just a very nice guy to hang out with and uh, 
a real pleasure to be around. All right. So we'll find out if he's going to be a real pleasure Saturday night for his Turkish opponent that we'll talk more about in uh, a little bit. All right. So some quick news before we get to Virgil Ortiz, Shakur Stevenson, unified 130 pound champion. You had written about this previously. It's now official from top rank. He is fighting in his hometown of Newark in September. All of that official from top rank. Quick thought or two, Dan Rayfield. Listen, he's fighting Robson Concesau, who's the Olympic gold medalist from the 2016 Olympics. In the 2016 Olympics, Concesau became the first ever Brazilian gold medal winner in boxing in the lightweight division. In the bantamweight division, Shakur Stevenson became the silver medalist. Obviously, he's gotten older since then, and as he's matured uh, age-wise, he's matured physically. He was just a teenager at that time, so now he's in the in the junior lightweight division. And he's the, uh, the unified champion based on that victory that he had against Oscar Valdez, the unified of the WBO and the WBC belts back on April 30th in Las Vegas. And so those who follow this know that Constantin had a very close, uh, somewhat disputed decision loss against Valdez in the fight prior to that. And so, of course, Shakur having defeated Valdez is now giving Constantin the opportunity to challenge him for the title. Obviously, part of that is because they're both with top rank and it was a fairly easy fight to make. But, uh, you know, look, Kostasau is a very tough opponent. He's, he's tricky. He, I think he has a good chin. He's got great skills. Um, he, he certainly had a great performance against Oscar Valdez, despite what happened in terms of the judging. Uh, it was a close fight. I mean, I thought that, that Valdez did barely eke it out, but by no means was that an easy night. He's a very talented fighter. And, uh, you know, I just uh, I look at the matchup, and you have to think that with uh, the great skills that Shakur Stevenson has, it's, uh, it's going to be more of a boxing match than a, than a slugging match for sure. Uh, but look, he's, you know, Shakur has not fought in his hometown in Newark, New Jersey as a champion. He has fought there previously, uh, you know, before he won the featherweight belt and then certainly before he won the junior lightweight belt. So for him, it's a big deal to go back home to Newark where he's closely identified and fight in the Prudential Center, which is the city's big arena and have a world title match, you know, at home. And uh, that's on September 23rd. Uh, He was at the press conference. Contestado did not come to the press conference. He's in Brazil training, but they had uh, top rank officials and uh, obviously staff from the arena and, a, you know, some special guests. They had the mayor of Newark there and, uh, you know, the, the college, the basketball coach from Seton Hall University. I think one of the members of the New Jersey Devil, uh, the, the well, I guess they're not, are they the New Jersey Devils? They still? are the New Jersey uh, Devils the, still the in Devils. hockey. And Shaheen Holloway, giving yes, five sir. bonus points for joining with that yes, name, sir. is the new Seton Hall coach, former Seton Hall player. And you may remember, because Dan's a big college basketball guy, as am I, that team, St. Peter's University, tiny school, tiny Catholic school in New Jersey, made a run into the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament, and it got Shaheen Holloway the job back at his alma mater, yes. Seton Hall. So Shaheen so- was hanging out. Maybe he was hanging out magic, had... maybe a little Shakur magic rubbing off on Shaheen or a little Shaheen Holloway magic rubbing off on Shakur. They just they, they made it into like just a nice community event with with Shaheen. Uh, I think one or two were people from the Devils, like I said, some of the top ranked staff and and the mayor of Newark uh, and, and had a lot of the kids from uh, boys and girls from the Newark Boys and Girls Club uh, where, where, you know, look, Shakur's had a few issues outside the ring but nothing too major thankfully and he, i think he's matured uh you know i've known the kid since he turned pro he's 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 growing into himself as a as a human being as a as a man now not just a kid that that's getting in trouble uh and for him it's a big deal like he understands the position that he can have in that community particularly among the less affluent uh people in that in that city and that of course is a lot of young kids who look up to him as a 
professional athlete and a guy that's made it, so to speak, who, you know, got out of the bad neighborhood and is now at the peak of it, you know, at the top level of his sport, uh, making a lot of money, but has never forgotten where he came from. And, uh, you know, I believe that he's very serious when he talks about wanting to be a good example for those young kids uh, in Newark. And so they brought, you know, several, you know, I don't know, it was looked like dozens of the kids uh, from the Boys and Girls Club to attend the news conference. So while, while his opponent was not present, you know, it was a good opportunity to shine a great light on the sport, on his upcoming event, and to basically have a good time, even though Shakur, if you know him, is a very serious athlete when he's getting into training. And uh, look, it's, he's going to be ready. I mean, it's, a, it's an important fight for him. He's fighting a good contender. He's not looking for easy marks. And uh, it, to me, it's just a matter of whether he'll be able to remain at 130 pounds after this fight, if there's going to be something that's, a, that's, that's interesting for him, for the public afterwards, since the unification fights seem to be um, not the easiest fights to make and, and don't necessarily carry uh, huge reputations for those other title holders, Roger Gutierrez and, you know, guys along those lines, one of the champions, you know, your boy from England, uh, you know, is, uh, who just won the belt, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, there was, those are unification fights are tough to make. So he may be on his way to lightweight where there's going to be great competition for him. Could be. And, and there's a bunch of top rank lightweights too, uh, that he could mix up and get in there with, uh, if that's the case. So top rank makes that announcement. Uh, and then we also have the under, oh, by the way, it's Joe Cordina. My, my apologies. Joe Cordina, for Cordina. For forgetting his name. Okay. So forgive me because I didn't have it off the top of my head. Cordina had that spectacular knockout a couple yes. of months ago, uh, to win that junior lightweight title. Uh, what it means, though, is Shakur, if he wants to be undisputed, which is what he says, you either got to fight Cordina, which seems to be a fight that's highly unlikely for a lot of reasons, or Roger Gutierrez, who is probably a more makeable fight, but also doesn't carry tremendous amounts of, uh, you know, public interest necessarily. And by the way, he also has a fight that's upcoming, uh, which means that Shakur would have to wait a little longer because he's they're both tied up with uh, fights in the near future. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, and first and foremost, obviously, Shakur Stevenson has to deal with the uh, Contessao, who, in my opinion, is probably a more complicated opponent than Cordina or Gutierrez in terms of uh, the type of uh, style that he boxes in. Love all of that. All right, so Matchroom finalized, speaking of them, Matchroom finalized the Alexander Usyk-Anthony Joshua rematch undercard that is upcoming. And it also ties in that they made an announcement, uh, <clears throat> Sky Sports made the announcement, on Wednesday afternoon that they're going to be the television arm here, even though follow the bouncing ball, uh, Joshua has a lifetime deal for whatever that means with matchroom mm -hmm. boxing and has an exclusive deal, whatever that really means with DAZN, except this fight is going to be the final fight of his lifetime deal that he had previously, uh, with sky sports, well, for the pay-per-view arm. So sort all of that out, please. Undercard. I'll try to sort that out. Yeah. First and foremost, the fact that this fight between he and Usyk is on sky sports has uh, they made it official on Wednesday, but it's been an open secret for the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Where it's interesting is this. When he had his last fight against Usyk in the first match when he lost, that was the last fight of his exclusive long-term contract with Sky, which has televised every single one of his professional fights uh, since he turned professional. And that's either on regular Sky Sports or on Sky uh, Sports Box Office, which is their pay-per-view arm. And obviously all of uh, the recent fights have been on pay-per-view. And when the contract ended, a couple, what, two months, a month ago, a month and a half ago, whatever it was, DAZN made a very splashy announcement that they had signed 
Anthony Joshua to a long-term, I don't think it was a, a career long contract like he did with Matchroom, but that they had signed him for a long-term deal. He's going to become a brand ambassador, global ambassador. He was going to become the face of the zone where he's had his last several fights worldwide on the zone, mm-hmm. including in the United States, but not in the UK, which is where his big base is for pay-per-view, which has been on Sky Sports. So <laughs> a little did little good did that do because there was heavy bidding for the rights to that fight between DAZN and Sky Sports. Now, the interesting thing about this is when Eddie Hearn and Joshua and the Usyk team, when they made their deal to bring this fight to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, the group in Saudi Arabia that is putting up tens of millions of dollars to make this match happen in their country, part of that deal was they acquired the worldwide broadcast rights. Normally Sky Sports, I mean, not Sky Sports, my mistake. Normally Matchroom Boxing and and Anthony Joshua, they would control those rights and it would go where they sold it or to their broadcast partners. In, In this particular case, because the Saudis put up so much money, part of that deal was they got those rights. And so it's out of Anthony Joshua's hands. It's out of Eddie Hearn's hands. The Saudis are the ones that are out there shopping the rights to different entities all around the world. Now, there was a bidding war between DAZN and Sky in the UK. My sources tell me, and they're impeccable, trust me when I tell you this, that DAZN actually outbid Sky Sports for the rights. Wait a but minute. But the Saudis wait, wait went with... Wait a minute. How does that happen? They outbid them, but they happens. didn't get the... Fi- how does that happen? Elaborate. It went to... Go. Because Sky Sports may have bid overall less but they have an opportunity to make much more money on the upside because of the pay-per-view aspect right. of, it. you know, it's, it would have been pay-per-view in, in the UK on the zone also, but the, the zone pay-per-view product, the zone in general in the UK, uh, and it's not their fault that it's just not a well-known commodity. It's not a mature. Um, it's not a mature app. It's not a mature, a known product in the UK. Let me Sky just Sports, hold on. Can I, Sky uh, Sports is you. ubiquitous in the UK. Right. Everybody knows Sky Sports. Correct. And their pay-per-view are. But let me just interject, because you travel in these circles. We both have opinions, whatever. One thing that has been obvious for the last three or four years is DAZN has been a flat-out mess across the board on consistency of, are you going to subscribe to the app and get these fights, or are we now going to backpedal and backtrack after we've had you subscribing that you're still going to have to pay for pay-per-view? And I'm talking about in general with a Canelo Alvarez fight, or with an Anthony Joshua fight, and here in this same situation. So it does not surprise me at all. Well, you're, I think you're a little ahead of things. It hasn't been three or four years. They've only had, they've only, and I'm not, I don't have to defend them. Right. They've only had one pay-per-view event for boxing, and that was Bivol versus Canelo, which was pay-per-view in the United States, and I think in also maybe in Canada, but the rest of the world was not pay-per-view. And in the case of the Joshua I fight. The, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought the Billy Joe Saunders fight, they had to no. do the same thing. No. No. on pay-per-view uh, because of the money they were trying to front him no. for that fight. So they did not offer that on pay-per-view. If you just had straight the zone in the U.S., you got that fight for your monthly subscription? 100, I mean, yeah, I've, based on my memory, absolutely. Um, now, they did make it available on normal linear pay-per-view for those who didn't subscribe to the zone, but they didn't mm-hmm. heavily market it. It, it. it didn't do huge numbers. Maybe, it, you know, it brought in some money, but no. Up until the Bivol fight, Canelo Alvarez's matches were available on uh on on a non-pay-per-view because remember between the the saunders fight and the bivol fight he did the caleb plant fight that was on pay-per-view but that's because fox different and pbc had the right they did that on 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 a on a showtime pay-per-view i should say not fox uh but here's the point though the zone 
has to be mortified and embarrassed because they had this big splash announcement that we've got the rights to Anthony Joshua. He's our guy so much to the point that he's going to be our global ambassador. And in his next event, following your splash announcement, he's not on your service in his home country where he generates the zillions of dollars. Now, even though they haven't announced it yet and it's not done, apparently, most likely that fight will be on DAZN in all in a lot of other markets around the world, including the United States. But again, the fight's in three weeks. If you're trying to get subscribers and market it and, and have a little bit of a runway for the fight, you might want to try to get the word out and get that wrapped up ahead of time. And they just haven't done it yet. Point of clarification. So you believe if it is on in the United States on DAZN, it's not going to be an additional pay-per-view. It's going to be part of your subscription. We don't know this for a fact, but that was the that we that was the whole hook. Yes. Canelo coming there in the first place four years ago or so was as long as you are a monthly subscriber, you're going to get these big time. Now you're fights. talking, you're talking right. like my you're talking like my Twitter peeps. Times change. They looked at the bottom line and they realized this but, cannot work. Get, without but, guess, but guess what? Pick a lane. All I'm saying, not to you, to them. They did pick a lane. Pick a lane and stick with it now because no. the reason it's not on DAZN is because they don't have the pay-per-view arm. And I saw uh, Sky Sports promoting this. It's a very affordable, right around $25 uh, British pound, $31, $32 U.S. price pay-per-view that obviously DAZN couldn't come up with either the infrastructure or wasn't willing to go along with that's, that price. That's not accurate. TJ, 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 not accurate. They have a pay-per-view arm. It worked for the fight between Canelo and Bebo in the United States. They did over 500,000 pay-per-views. They went for the upside that they thought was available on a Joshua fight in the UK. They can do a UK pay-per-view on DAZN the same way they did it in America. The, the Saudis made the decision that from an economic standpoint and from a ability, because remember, part of the Saudi, the Saudis bringing the fight there, it's not about the money so much. They want to bring a positive light to Saudi Arabia, a, a country with horrible mm -hmm. human rights issues, all kinds of things related to sports washing. We don't have to get into all the political details, but they want all the people to see it. If they're on the zone in Britain, it's not going to be seen by nearly as many people who will see the fight on Sky Sports box office, where most likely it will you know, go over a million buys, where on the zone whose product is fine and serviceable and works and all that, it will be seen by a fraction of that amount of people. So they went the, the route of, of going on Sky Sports. The zone, when they first started, pay-per-view was dead. And I mocked them when they changed their philosophy, and I get it. But one thing that everybody has to understand is they was, there was no way they could maintain their business as they advertised if they didn't make an adjustment. And if you are in business and you see things floundering and failing and about to die, what do you do? You don't let down the you don't let the ship go down. You make a change. And so they added pay-per-view as they should always have had from day one. But again, only for the biggest events, not not marginal events, for mega fights. And that means the biggest stars in the sport. And Anthony Joshua and Canelo Alvarez are the two guys that were fighting on the zone that fell into that category, not the rest of the very good schedule they've had over the last couple of years. So that's the deal there. So this fight will probably be on the zone in America, not for an upcharge, most likely, as well as all kinds of other markets around the world. But in Britain, it's on Sky Sports. In other words, it's status quo, what it's been for Anthony Joshua's past events, regular the uh, zone in America and Sky Box Office pay-per-view, even though he's out of contract. It's a one-shot deal. And the deal was not done with Joshua. It was done because the Saudis own the rights to the event. Am I clear? No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on okay. all that. DAZN is still a mess. That's Am a I clear different on that? story. I'm just saying, they're still a mess. All well, right, let me ask you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question. 
Sure. When you say that they're a mess, put, put the pay-per-view stuff we just went over. When you say they're a mess, what do you mean by that exactly? You release an exclusive thing like you talked about, and I promise we're going to move on to the audience because I want to get to Virgil Ortiz. You release a pay-per-view thing touting that he's now exclusively with the zone, except for the fact that his next fight isn't with us and you can't see it there. So, right, if that, that was... so if I'm subscribing to zone, I am P-I-S-S-E-D pissed because I'm paying you and I still got to pay Sky Sports. That was yes. a tragic PR mistake. And, well, and, and somebody at that company who knew, knew when they made that announcement, there was a very solid chance that they were not going to have Joshua's next event. It wasn't like a total shock. Yeah. Everybody knew that the market was open for that bout with Usyk. And so DAZN did a miserable situation in terms of their PR and the way that they handled that. that Thank you. Uh, fight announcement so in that case yes complete mess thank you but that's that's different and apart from a different what i think mess. is a pretty good job what they're doing in terms of the other fights that they're all oh hey look i mean it's also but it's also an affordable pay-per-view which we keep talking about and harping on in england and economic times are what they are in europe or in the united states it's always been like that in the uk but, they don't charge a lot yeah but you're going to get more buys if that's the case too you would think at an affordable price so in any event the rest of the undercard real quick and then we're going to move along to virgil ortiz in a second what what else we talked about hergovich and the and the fight was zhang uh right that's that's one of the fights that's the ibf eliminator so the winner of that fight which was rescheduled remember it was supposed to be on the canelo b-ball card in may mm -hmm. uh unfortunately hergovich's father passed away in the lead up to the fight he withdrew for his own family reasons uh, the fight was rescheduled. Now it's going to take place on this undercard, which I reported like, you know, a few weeks ago. I knew that was a done deal. They just made it official this week. In any event, the winner of the fight will be one of the mandatory challengers for the winner of the Joshua uh, and Usyk rematch. And then the other fight that they that they added to the card, which will be a, a final eliminator for the WBC's light heavyweight title, meaning the winner will become one of the mandatories for the three belt champion, Arthur Betterbia. And that's between Callum Smith, former super middleweight champion, in his second light heavyweight fight. He's taken on uh, the European champion, uh, Matthew uh, Batterlink. Batterlink. I'm not sure how to say his name, we'll go, from we'll France. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. From not France. Good it. record, 21 and 1 with 12 knockouts. Uh, it's, again, final eliminator, and, and, and the winner is going to get a title opportunity. And, and what's just sort of mildly interesting is that uh, the biggest victory in Callum Smith's career came in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, in the same arena where they're going to have this fight. That's back when he defeated George Groves by knockout to win the super middleweight title and to also win the World Boxing Super Series in their final of the tournament back in, I believe, 2018. And uh, he was on his way back to Saudi Arabia yet again for another important fight in his career. So, uh, you know, two, two pretty meaningful and, and interesting fights in terms of the two main undercard fights. And then they've, they've got some other fights. Uh, you know, they've got Ramla Ali. She's uh, an up-and-coming junior which featherweight. Is, which is interesting, back to the whole human rights thing and yes. the way the Saudis view women and treat women. Again, trying to improve the image, et cetera. And she's somebody that just fought on a matchroom card, is recognizable in, in the UK. Well, she was so an makes Olympian. Sense. Makes sense. Yeah, she, she's, she's with matchroom. She's fighting a woman named Crystal Garcia Nova. Uh, and it is somewhat a historical achievement. I mean, whatever the reasons are that they're putting it on, whether it's just to make it seem like they're doing well by the women, uh, in terms of the rights that, that, that have been abused so badly in Saudi Arabia. But nonetheless, it will be the first official boxing match to take place in Saudi Arabia. Uh, there's also Bad Dude Jack is on the card, who's been fighting somewhat regularly in his last few fights in, in, uh, in the Middle East. He's on the card in a cruiserweight fight. Um, and so that, you know, that's uh, he's fighting Richard Rivera, you know, who's a, a guy from Hartford, Connecticut with an undefeated record. Um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, it's it's. Is it the biggest card ever? No, but it's a pretty solid undercard, if you ask me. Not too bad at all. 
All right, good enough on that. Time for the conversation with Dan and the up-and-coming welterweight Virgil Ortiz. All right, I'd like to bring in the guest this week, a very special guest, none other than the welterweight contender Virgil Ortiz Jr. Virgil, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. How you been? I've been pretty good. How about you, man? I've been doing very good. Thank you again for doing this. Uh, I know you're getting ready for an important fight, as they all are, uh, when you take on uh, Michael McKinson from England coming up on August 6th, main event of the Golden Boy card on the zone at the Dickies Arena in Fort Worth, Texas, a home game for you since you're a Dallas guy. Um, I would like to start off by, by just asking you a little bit about uh, when, when I was looking at McKinson's record, I saw him fight his last fight and I realized he's undefeated. Obviously, you know, there's something there, 22 and 0, but he only has two knockouts. And I wonder, especially a fighter like yourself, that's 18 and 0 all by knockout. When you look at a guy's record like that and you see, you know, nice record, but, you know, obviously not a big puncher, does that in any way sort of alter your approach thinking, you know what, this guy's not going to have any power. I can really go in there and do what I want to do and, and basically go right to him and not really be as concerned with what's coming back as long as I see the punches. I mean, you know, there could be a lot of reasons for him having a, a, not a lot of knockouts. It could be he can't finish. Um, it could just be maybe he simply doesn't go for it. You know, it doesn't it doesn't really bring down his pedigree at all. So uh, we're we're going in there like we go into any other fight. You know, careful. We're always going to be careful. We, we never underestimate anybody, no matter who they are. Um, we're we're going to be ready. Any uh, any thoughts or issues or problems or or things you need to be concerned about just because of the fact that he's left handed that he's a southpaw? I mean. I don't want to say they're all the same because no two fighters are the same. Right. But we we've had a we've had a lot of experience uh, sparring and being in the ring fighting southpaws. So this won't be the first time for us. So we're just gonna you know, we're gonna take it as it goes. So before this fight was finalized, Virgil, there was a lot of back and forth conversation, some smack talk from uh, the other side that that your opponent was going to be. Uh, David Avanesian for this fight, the Russian fighter based out of the UK with uh, a few losses, but I guess a, a certain uh, level of wins that are more quality, let's say, than what McKinson has on his record. And, you know, your people uh, uh, at Golden Boy and your manager, Rick Meridian, they were saying, you know what, we got this fight uh, made. They've agreed to the fight. We're waiting on the contract. And you know what, Virgil, uh, somehow that contract never showed up signed. And uh, yeah. clearly they didn't take the fight. Uh, I was told they were looking for making a, a whole bunch of changes in the later stages of this uh, uh, attempt to make the fight. Tell me your position on that and what, what exactly happened. Are you at all disappointed that after everything they were saying that Evan Essing's not the guy you're in the ring with uh, coming up? I was, I was disappointed because I mean, there was, there was a lot, there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of them calling me out saying that I I'm ducking them and all this stuff. And then, like, all right, let's get the fight done. And then they agreed on the contract. We sent it, and then we just never got it back. We waited, I don't know how many weeks for it. Um, I don't know whose fault it was. I don't know if it was the boxer's fault, the manager's fault, the promoter's fault. I don't know who. I really don't know what exactly happened as to why it wasn't signed. I just know it wasn't signed, and we had to move on. Are you at all disappointed that it's McKinson and not Evanescing, or to you it's sort of, uh, you know, as long as you're in the ring and – making your name and doing your thing, it's all the same to you. At this point, uh, 
I'm just happy to be back in the ring. It's been it'll be a year since I had yeah. stepped in the ring last, and that's that's way too long for me. You know, I I definitely miss it. Now, listen, nothing against guys like McKinson or Avanessian whatsoever, uh, but are you anxious at this point to fight a, a more well-known name in your weight class? I mean, it's a it's a very good weight division as it has been for many years. You're one of the top guys there, um, and and uh, and there's a lot of names. So are you in any way sort of in a hurry or more of a hurry, let's say, to fight some of the bigger names and the better known fighters to American fans? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, um, I'm not looking past McKinson. He's going to be a good fight. But I, I really do want to fight people who people get excited about, you know. And uh, they, uh, Evan Easton was actually one of those guys. I saw a lot of people saying, yeah. oh, this is going to be a good fight. And then, of course, you still had the people saying, who is that guy? And then <laughs> – he, he, there's always going to be people like that. You can't please everybody, but we'll, we'll get to the point where everyone's like, all right, this is going to be a good fight. So, who, I mean, again, I know you're not looking past them. That's never been your uh, style, but you know, you know, the guys in the weight class, like who is your ideal opponent down the road? I mean, you know, your team, I remember talking to Oscar, you know, they were saying they love to make a fight between you and Crawford. And you know, there's, there's a lot of star power in that weight class. So do you have an ideal guy that you'd like to go after? Um, I would love to get Keith Thurman next. Really? That's, that's like the fight that I want right now. What about Thurman compared to any of the other guys in that weight division? I feel like Thurman is he, – he's a very seasoned veteran. Uh, I don't even think he's old yet. Yeah. I feel like if, if he's out of his prime, then he's just a step out, if anything. But I feel like he's, he's very he's, – he's still good. He has to be good, definitely. Uh, he he was my favorite uh, what's weight before I became a what's weight. He's a very exciting fighter, and I, I would just like to share the ring with him. That would be a hell of a fight, I I have to say. Um, yeah. In terms of the fight coming up, now look, before this fight was made, uh, before the Avanesian situation played out the way that it did, you know, you and McKinson were supposed to link up back uh, March 19th in Los Angeles in another the zone main event. A few days before the fight, I mean, people who follow know that you had a medical issue. You had to pull out of the fight on a very short notice, ended up in the hospital. He ended up taking the fight. You know, they found a late replacement uh, in Alex Martin. He won, uh, you know, uh, a decision in that fight. But, I, you know, and you mentioned, you alluded earlier, you've been out of the ring, you know, about a year going into this fight. Can you just take me back to what was going on there? I mean, I, you had a, what's called rabo, myeliasis, uh, a blood disorder. Can you, can you give me a little rundown on what exactly happened with you and how are you now? Yeah, so basically, uh, I was feeling really weak. I was feeling uh, th this was weeks before the fight. I was feeling tired at first, and I thought it was just you know your general fatigueness. You know, I've been training for a uh, couple months already, and uh, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. It didn't matter if I rested or not; it just kept getting worse, and it just got to the point where I I was getting tired doing everything. I was getting tired going up the stairs to my room, like, just, I, it's normal to be out of breath or whatever, like, not not necessarily out of breath, like, damn, like, that was a long flight of stairs, but, like, the way I was getting it, it was, yeah. it was really bad, and uh, I just, I wasn't getting any better, it was getting worse, and uh, we figured it, if it wasn't the food I was eating, if, if it wasn't my workouts because the workouts didn't change you know it's always been the same you know it has to be something internally we went to the hospital we went to the doctor first and then they they checked my blood and then i went back home 
But then they called us like, hey, you got to go to the hospital. Like, this is serious. So we, we had to go to the hospital. I was hospitalized, had to stay overnight. And uh, I couldn't fight. And uh, I, I mean, obviously, you're, you've got a fight schedule coming up. I mean, everything is good in terms of your health, in terms of that situation? Yeah, I'm 100% better. And what did, did you have to do anything in terms of changing how you trained, how you ate, how you did anything to make sure like that this hap didn't happen again, that you were not going to have this occur on a, on a, on a second time or, you know, in your in future in your life. So basically we, uh, I did cut the strength conditioning back at home. I had to cut it just, just to see how my body would feel because I, when I work out, I, I go at it like a hundred percent and I usually yeah. go at it like sometimes months before I even go into training camp. So, uh, and I'm still training back at home too. So, I just really gave my body some time to rest. And uh, I feel like it, it reset and I was ready to go when I came back. So this is not the kind of thing that your doctor says to you could be a recurring issue? No. Okay, well, that's obviously very good. So you obviously weren't able to take the fight in March. Like I said, he came back anyway. Golden Boy was able to secure a last-minute opponent for uh, him. He fought uh, Alex Marty, won. Honestly, uh, you know, that was a dreadful sleep-inducing kind of fight. Let's be honest about it. Uh, did you watch that fight? And if so, what did you think of uh, McKinson's performance in that fight? Yeah, I, I did watch it. Um, I mean, there, there's really not too much to say about the fight. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, whose fault it was? I, I mean, I really don't know. You can say it's both of their faults. Yeah, um, I, 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 I wasn't blaming McKinson. I was just saying it was it is what it was, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. And uh, I mean, I feel like they just had a clash of styles. It's, it, it happens sometimes. If you, if you got two fighters that like to fight on the back foot, they're not going to engage each other. It's going to be a boring fight. So I think that's just what happened. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. It was uh, hopefully, uh, and knowing your style, I, I suspect that it's going to be a much better, uh, at least for us fans, entertainment value-wise, when you get in the ring with the guy. Uh, listen, at the end of 2019, I picked you as the prospect of the year, and I, I certainly wasn't alone in, uh, in uh, saying that Virgil Ortiz was one of the, you know, the best young fighters out there, you know, coming up uh, through the ranks. Uh, usually those guys that are in that position as the prospect of the year, you know, within a year or so, you find themselves in a, a much bigger fight, a title eliminator, a, perhaps a world championship fight, that sort of thing. Uh, I know COVID slowed a lot, of, a lot of schedules down for many fighters. Um, now we're here in the second half of, of 2022. Do you feel like you're still on schedule to do those types of things? Are you a little behind schedule? Obviously you had the medical issue that kept you out of the ring. Like how do you assess where you are in terms of, uh, your progress towards the promised land of a world title? I mean, I know we're going to get there in terms of being slowed down. Yeah. I do feel like we, we got slowed down a bit from COVID and, uh, the medical diagnosis, um, I should be in a different place right now, and but we're we're gonna have to make up for lost time, and uh, you know just just don't worry about it. We're not gonna worry about it. We know it's gonna get done. You know, there's no point in worrying about it. It's already done. The the past happened. We're here now, so just keep a positive mind. Got you. Now I look at your weight class, and uh, you know we talked about some of the veterans. You mentioned like a Keith Thurman. We know like Errol Spence is a champion. Terence Crawford is a champion. Those are guys who have been around who are seasoned veterans, but in terms of the younger fighters who are on the way up, making, making noise, who have a tremendous amount of potential, obviously you're one of those guys. 
Uh, and I look and I see like over in England, there's Connor Ben, who's making a name for himself. You have uh, from Philadelphia, Jerron Ennis, an undefeated, outstanding young prospect uh, slash contender, uh, such as uh, Ben and yourself. Do you see those those guys as sort of like not maybe your competition in the future in terms of in the ring, but in terms of the race to to get there first, to, to make a, a bigger, the biggest name for yourselves uh, in terms of the younger fighters in an exciting weight class? Yeah, I would say so. They're, they're, we're definitely in that race right now, you know, trying to see who gets there first or whatever may happen down the road. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what the future holds. All right, I want to just, I mean, we talked about your fight. I want to close up with one thing because you're obviously an observer of your weight class. The fight is not signed yet, is not made yet, but there's high hopes, I think, from everybody that follows boxing that we will see sometime before the end of this year a fight for the undisputed championship in your weight class between Errol Spence, who has three of the belts, and Terrence Crawford, who has one of the belts. Do you have any thoughts about how that fight might go and who you'd be pulling for to win? Because I know you're going to want to fight the winner at some point. Yeah. I'm not necessarily pulling for anyone to win. I really don't – not that I don't care who wins, but I don't – I'm not going for anybody. Um, I think the fight it, – hopefully it's made. If it's made, um, I think – I think I give Crawford a slight upper hand. I, I really do. And I'm not saying that, oh, he's going to beat him. I'm just saying I just feel like he has a better chance of beating him. Uh, but Spence is definitely in the fight. You know, and he's a three-time world champion in, in the world's weight division, you know, and he's strong. He's a, he's, he's a good fighter. Crawford, he's also strong. He's also southpaw. He's really smart. He can finish. So it's it just really comes down to, like, they both have the goods. Let's see if they're going to use it in the fight. Yeah, and Spence is your Texas guy, so I figure you might be going for him. But uh, I think we yeah, all just I'm not, I'm not biased. I'm, I'm not biased, or at least I try not to be. So, All right, I'm going to just wrap up with this, Virgil, and then I'm going to let you get on with your day, and I appreciate the time. Uh, the fight with McKinson, you're 18-0 with 18 knockouts. Like I said, are we going to see number 19 and keep that perfect record? Hey, I really hope so. That's, that's always the plan, right? Exactly. Virgil, thank you very much for doing this with me today. I appreciate it. I wish you the best of luck in your fight. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it, man. Have a good day. You bet. All right. Dom myolysis. How did I do <laughs> on that? The blood disorder that he had. And we cannot uh, overstate this. I mean, it can cause serious illness, if not death, if left untreated when they determine that. Because what happens from the descriptions that I've read and heard him talking about is the blood starts to thicken up. Bad news on circulation and on, on uh, heart continuing to pump, et cetera, et cetera. So this was a serious thing that he got hospitalized with. It could have potentially yeah. been fatal. And now here he comes back in the ring uh, a week from Saturday with this Virgil Ortiz. Final thought on your conversation? Yeah, I mean, for, first of all, one thing I learned is that it's uh, people often refer to it by its uh, shortened nickname, Rabdo. Rabdo. Maybe the best way to say it. Uh, I like that. But I, I said to Virgil, I said, is this something that you have to worry about as a recurring uh, situation? And, you know, he talked about in the interview, people listen. And he said, no, he's got a clean bill of health and all is good. And he doesn't expect there to be any any uh anything to happen again setbacks um he made some minor modifications and to his training and that sort of stuff and uh hopefully he's good you know he, he said he felt good it has been off a year he's anxious to get back in the ring and uh whatever the caliber of opponent he's fighting i have been a virgil ortiz fan since he's been a professional i picked him as the 2019 prospect of the year when i'm still at espn and uh, i think he's a tremendous talent and i hope he gets a chance uh, if he wins on uh, on august 6th to take a big step forward and fight a real top guy and he's got that knockout streak going. He's knocked out everybody he's fought. Let's see if that's going to continue again. That's a week 
from Saturday. What say we get into this Saturday's triple header, Dan Rayfield, here in a moment that is coming up from Showtime and Premier Boxing Champions. We do that straight ahead. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Back in once more. You uh, make it a point to be with us on Fridays for the preview mode, maybe even into Saturday. We still stay relevant all the way into the Saturday fights and obviously the Saturday night fight card at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, as Danny Swift Garcia headlines in the main event and his return after a year and a half, we come back in with a Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. And by the way, thank you again to the peeps uh, that are out there because, Dan, I'm seeing this in our audience growth over the course of the last two or three months, even in the summer. The bookends of the preview and the Fight Freaks Unite recap have done very well. And Dan and I enjoy bringing this to you, but we see thousands and thousands and thousands of you listening to these shows. So thank you for that and continue to spread the word, continue to help us out on social media, continue to follow and subscribe because we do see a lot of you being here uh, with us and enjoying the preview and enjoying the recap. All right, let's get into it. Garcia is back in the ring with Jose Benavides Jr., uh, big time uh, layoff here for Garcia, which you talked to him about previously. You interviewed him and we played it previously here on this preview. Now it's fight week. Now we head towards Saturday night. What are your thoughts as we see Garcia back in a place that he's been very familiar with? He has fought a couple of times or more in his career at Barclays Center. So it's not uncommon for him to be back there headlining. What are your thoughts, Dan? I mean, he's identified with Barclays Center. He's a Philadelphia fighter, but he's had not, this will be his ninth fight at Barclays Center. He was the main event of the very first boxing matches that they had in, uh, in that building in 2012. He scored a spectacular left hook, one-punch knockout in his rematch against Eric Morales, who, of course, was, you know, at the end of his career, retired after that fight. Uh, but, but he has become – he's, a, he's a, a regular at the Barclays Center. Um, he's – uh, you know, this may not be the biggest fight of all these. had so many big fights at Barclays Center. His big fights against Keith Thurman and against Sean Porter and against Zab Judah and against uh, – you know, other fighters there, but Pauli Malinaji, uh, that, you know, this is his chance, as you mentioned, a long way of 19 months where he hasn't fought. He's coming off the loss to uh, where he gave a good account of himself, actually. He didn't get blown out, but he lost the decision challenging against Errol Spence Jr. for the unified welterweight titles. That took place at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. That was still, you know, very much during the pandemic where, you know, they didn't have big, you know, huge crowds and that sort of thing. Um, but he, he said to me, in the interview that that I that you referenced back that we played on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, he's been saying it um, during his uh, uh, fight week buildup uh, conversations that, you know, he felt like, he, you know, physically he was fine. It wasn't like he took the time off because he was injured or anything like that. He just sort of felt like uh, he needed to kind of like rest, recharge and get that 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 real hunger back. He can't, he talked about like his mind was foggy and not because he was damaged or anything like that, just he just wasn't as focused and as concentrated on boxing. He needed to like miss it again. 
and to, to bring his, his hunger back for the sport. So, you know, I think what he did was actually pretty good. He took the time off. And I wrote about this. People can read the story on Big Fight Weekend where he says the time off was good for me. He got a chance to, you know, spend time. He's got a young family, kids and a wife and the whole thing. Uh, and, and just kick back and relax, recharge his batteries, so to speak. You know, this is a guy, Danny's only like 34 years old, but he's been a pro for 15 years. It's been a long career and he's never really had a big break. And, you know, coming off the loss, COVID was still going on. There was no obvious big fight. You know what? Why not kick back, take a little bit of time, heal up, you know, not saying he was injured, but get your body better. If there's always going to be some kind of nagging issue, get your hunger back, enjoy your family do your thing. He said he still went to the gym, even though he wasn't training for fight just to stay in shape. And, you know, he's made a ton of money over the last 15 years. It was a chance to sort of enjoy some of the fruits of his labor. And, uh, you know, I think that was the right move. And, you know, he says he's got the hunger back. He's taken on a reputable, a reputable opponent in Benavides, who is also a, a smaller fighter that's moved up like Danny has from the 140 and then 147 weight class. So he's not in there with a big monster in his debut in the junior middleweight division. And uh, Danny still has goals in his career. He says he wants to be a three-division champion, which means he would uh, go after a, a title at 154 pounds, which at the moment, <laughs> there's only one guy, and that's uh, Jamil Charlo, who's that's the correct. undisputed champ. Um, so he goes into this fight, uh, not a title fight, but, uh, but an opportunity to see what he's got in this weight class, to see uh, how things go for him, shake off the rust of that 19 months out of the ring, and uh, position himself for something bigger. Now, it's not going to get Charlo in the next fight, even if he wins, uh, but there's other good opponents at 154 pounds that he can square off with. And he can get in line there if that's the case for a 2023 something, maybe. Yeah. Uh, he's a large favorite on the BetUS line. And again, a free plug. We'll talk more about this depending on when you're hearing us on this podcast. The BetUS uh, boxing preview show where we give out free gambling advice. And we've been doing pretty well with our picks. Um, we're there Fridays at one Eastern time. BetUS TV, the BetUS app, BetUS YouTube page. Come find <clears throat> us. He's minus 700. Uh, heavily favored, uh, minus uh, 210 to get the decision in this fight. So the odds makers really believe this is a Benavides win. I'm sorry, a, a Garcia win. Don't give Benavides very much of a chance. He is uh, plus 450 going into the weekend to pull the upset. Four and a half to one uh, underdog. That's about right because Benavides, um, Jose Benavides has only fought a couple of times in the last few years, fought most recently in November. Um, so, and that was a majority draw odds uh, about right. Do you think? Yeah, they're about right. I mean, look, Benavides, he, first of all, he's the older brother of David Benavides, the super middleweight, uh, interim title holder and, you know, excellent fighter. Um, when, when, when Jose junior and their father, Jose senior is his trainer, when he turned professional, uh, back in the day, I mean, he was as hot a prospect as there was, he was a decorated amateur. This is back in like 2010, uh, Big things were expected of this guy. He was he was a tremendous, tremendous talent. He had been a great amateur fighter, uh, turned pro at a very young age, still was a teenager, I believe, when he turned professional, and was developing nicely and then had a terrible accident. Well, not an I shouldn't even say an accident. He was shot in the leg. It wasn't his fault. Somebody shot him in the leg. It was a robbery attempt or some kind of dispute, there's there's always been the over, getting shot. They say it was a random thing. The 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 people that are in the know have always contended that it was gang related. But regardless of how it happened, he got shot in the leg. And it, not only did he almost forget about his career almost ending, he almost died from lose, losing all the blood that he lost. He, to his credit, he was able to rehab it enough where he's able to come back. But he's never been the same, frankly, since he's been back. Um, he got a title opportunity against Terrence Crawford at welterweight. This is when they were both with top rank. Um, 
put up a good fight, you know, but he was outclassed, outgunned, no pun intended. And uh, Terrence Crawford knocked him out in the 11th round of that fight. Or I take that back, the 12th round of that fight in, mm-hmm. uh, in Omaha fight. I was there ringside. You know, that was the, the fight where uh, he threw a punch. Uh, there was punches thrown at the way and it was a real kind of, uh, you know, real bitter sort of build up to that fight. But Benavides, that was his only uh, major world championship opportunity, got knocked out. And then from 2000, that was fight was at the, like the tail end of 2018. And he did not fight again until November of last year. So this is going to be his first fight in like, you know, eight months. But before that, he was off, you know, for a couple of years. Uh, and in that fight that you referenced, he got the majority draw against Francisco Torres. And by the way, that was a very generous draw. A lot of people thought that that, uh, that Benavides, uh, by getting the draw, got a gift. And uh, this will be his first fight since. Now, the fight against uh, Crawford, of course, was at welterweight. The fight against Torres was at middleweight. Um, and now he's fighting at a one, you know, it's like 157 is what he weighed. So he's fighting at 154. So when Danny goes up in weight, he's at least fighting a guy that's the same size as him with the same experience against those types of punchers in the smaller weight division. So the size, it's like two, you know, two welterweights fighting each other at junior middleweight. Interesting. Just one more aspect of this. And I promise we move on to the heavyweight co-feature in a second. Uh, Benavides and the brother, obviously from the Phoenix area, training in Phoenix, but they have moved training camp to uh, permanently, apparently to Seattle, to the Pacific Northwest. What do you make of that? And does that mean anything? Because it's obviously different climate, different, you know, blah, 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 different setting. Uh, He even has spoken, Jose Benavides, this week about being more secluded, being away from distractions, the gang problem. He didn't say that, but if you want to bring that up, the other problems, you're away from all of that all the way up in the Pacific Northwest. What, if anything, does that mean? No, I don't think it means anything that, I mean, first of all, they still identify with Phoenix as their hometown. Right. Uh, David has fought there and drawn decent crowds when he's fought a couple of fights there. So there's still known figures in that community. Uh, but like you mentioned, if you're away in Seattle, uh, there's less distractions. Uh, people don't know you uh, as, as the way that they would if you're, if you're in Phoenix. And uh, it just, to me, it shows you they, that, that, that the brothers, as well as the father uh, and others that they have in their camp, take it seriously. That, you know, no one's, I mean, look, these guys may have had their issues here and there, but not, no one's ever saying that they don't train hard. They don't work. Uh, and being up there is one way to, to, to prove that when you are a little bit more secluded than if you're out and about in your hometown where there's more pressures and more expectations. And so, you know, I don't think there's, I don't think it's, I mean, it, put it like this, whatever works for them. And, and this apparently works, uh, but we'll see how well it works because, you know, he hasn't won in his last couple of fights, even though they've been training there. So, uh, look, he's the underdog for a good reason. He's taken on Danny Garcia, who has had a very good career. He's been a champion in two weight classes. He's got expectations of trying to do it in a third weight class. He's the favorite. He's the so-called A-side. He's sort of like the home. He's from Philly, but he's essentially the home fighter, given all of his experience of fighting in Brooklyn, where he's become a popular fighter within the, the boxing fans uh, in the Brooklyn uh, area that turn out for the Barclays fights. And uh, I suspect it will be a pretty, you know, it, it, it does shape up like at least on paper as a fight that should have some crowd appeal. It's not like you're, you're going into that match going, this fight's going to stink. This fight probably should be a pretty good fight, but but Benavides is obviously the underdog. All right, and to that end, a great segue that you just made right there. The co-feature may whip everybody up here that has Adam, say it how you say it, because you talk to him. How do you pronounce Konaski. it? Konaski. 
not Kovnaki or Kaunaki like it looks. I don't know anything about a V. I don't know anything about a V. Okay. All right. Well, but a lot of times in Europe, the V is, the W is pronounced V because Versa. instead of Waddle, Vladimir or Wadlemir Klitschko, it's Vladimir, even though it's spelled with a W. So, Adam, Adam is born in Poland, but yeah. has lived in Brooklyn since he's a small child. There you go. And so oh, he's he, going to have he's going to have a lot of backing and uh, his opponent from Turkey, Ali Aaron Demerezian, is going to have some backing there, too. Uh, I know Sean from Top Heavyweights was saying this earlier in the week. He goes, PBC and Showtime can say the Garcia fight because of the name is the main event. But he believes this and he's biased. He's a heavyweight guy. He's a, this is the main event. This is going to have the crowd electric. They're going to throw big punches early. He's looking forward to that fight. So to you, Dan Rayfield, how much are you looking forward to this heavyweight showdown here where especially uh, uh, for Konofsky, Konofsky, how, how are you saying it again? Konofsky. Konofsky. Uh, how about you just, how about you just for the purpose of our listeners so they don't have to turn off the podcast <laughs> of trying to hear you say his name, how about you just call him Adam? Or AK Babyface. Like his or Twitter AKA handle. Babyface. If AKA Babyface doesn't get a win here. He's at a real career crossroads after two losses to Robert Hellenius. He's been off for a while. He's got to get a win here. And he may, he may come fist firing here early in this fight. I'm looking forward to it. What are your thoughts? Oh, I think this lends itself to an entertaining, exciting fight. I mean, first of all, uh, I've been to, I think, except because I, I will not be ringside for the fight this weekend. I've probably been, maybe there's one other I'm missing that was an undercard. I'm pretty sure I've been to every single one of Adam's fights at, Barclay Center. And he always has a great crowd to turn out from. And they sit, they dress up in the red and white, which is the colors of the Polish flag. When he was fighting on undercards before he became a little bit of a better known fighter, there was always like an area of the arena that was specifically where all of his fans sat. And so you would look around and there'd be like the regular group of fans. And then you'd look, actually, if you're sitting in the press area where I would sit, you'd sort of look to your left, sort of behind you. And there was a gargantuan group, like that whole section was just filled with red and white um, they were the the hardcore diehard Polish fans that had turned out to root for him. Uh, and that, that section has grown and grown and grown as he's become a more known fighter rising up the ranks, you know, was talked about before the losses to Hellenius. He was right there in the conversation as he was on the verge of getting a title shot against Deontay Wilder. Of yep. course, that was before Deontay Wilder lost to Tyson Fury in the rematch because Deontay Wilder, to some degree, had made Barclay Center a little bit of a home base for himself. Also, he's had several uh, world title fights in Barclay Center. And so that was a fight that a lot of people thought would be a big deal in Brooklyn to have Deontay, a popular heavyweight champion with a, with a fan following in Brooklyn, taking on the Brooklyn guy who also has a fan following. That would have been a big deal, but it never came to pass because Adam and Deontay both suffered defeats and ended up fighting in divergent paths. Um, but this is the chance for him to, to to try to come back. I mean, you know, you you underestimated it, I think, when you said his career is like in jeopardy. If he loses a third fight and he loses badly, I'm not saying he's going to retire, but he very well might be retiring because there'll be people on his team that are going to put that pressure on him. Uh, you know, he's a new father. He's got young children. He's had punishing fights over the years. Um, you know, he's not old, but he's not a you know, he's not a baby anymore. Um, and he might want to think about, you know, calling it a day if that's the case. Uh, that usually doesn't happen. We'll see what happens against, uh, the, you know, in the fight, if he can win the fight. But let me tell you, those losses against Hellenius were very, very, very debilitating to his career. Uh, he was at, at that point prior to the first fight in early 2020 on everybody's list in the top 10, was on the verge of a world title fight, uh, you know, was fighting, uh, you know, was going to be in main event type fights. 
He got knocked out in the fourth round. They did a rematch. It didn't go well. He got knocked out. It was a worse knockout, but it went a little bit longer in the sixth round. And uh, that was, uh, you know, at the end of 2021. So he's been off now about nine months or so. And uh, see if he can get back on the horse. Um, and they didn't match him easy. I mean, I'm not saying he's in there with King Kong with Demarezian, but this guy was an Olympian for Turkey. Uh, he's won a bunch of fights in a row. His only loss uh, was a decision against uh, F.A. Ajagba, who was an undefeated Olympian also. That was one of those um, fights that was done between Top Rank and PBC when they were matching their guys against the other company's guys when they were sharing uh, the promotion for the second fight between Wilder and, uh, and Fury. And so that was the fight that took place. One of the fights took place in that undercard. And, you know, he, he fought a Jogba who was a highly rated guy, you know, in terms of like his prospect status and the Jogba won a decision pretty one-sided, but it wasn't like Demarezian embarrassed himself or anything like that. He just got kind of outboxed by, you know, the bigger guy. Uh, and he's won, I think like five fights in a row since then, not necessarily against top level opponents, but, uh, you know, Lenny's, uh, did a job on, on Kanaski, and I think uh, um, Kanaski's going to have his hands full with this guy on Saturday night. Demarizian also a knockout of Gerald Washington, just like uh, Kanaski also had a knockout of him earlier in his career before the losses to Hellenius for whatever that's that's worth. One more quick one, and we'll debate this again on the Bet US show, over under six and a half rounds. Babe, we've been doing this for a few months. Yeah. This fight ain't seeing the bell for the end of the seventh round. I think one way or the other, it is over before the yeah, I mean, it's, maybe maybe AK Babyface gets to him or gets gotten again for a third straight loss. I don't see a seventh round here. I'm going under. I'm telling you that now. I'm going under. I'm I'm not going to disagree with you. I mean, I may I may uh, I reserve my right to change my mind between Fine. now and the time we do our live show. But that sounds about right. These guys are not coming to dance around and box each other. It's going to be a little bit of a rumble and. uh see whose chin stands up the question the is Turk, to me the Turks got 12 knockouts in 16 wins so he can punch can to me punch the question is this Adam's never going to be made into a boxer he's always going to be a guy who likes to, to to get in there and brawl and bang it out the question is can he be defensively responsible enough to brawl but not too much to to keep himself at least in a position where he's somewhat out of harm's way to not absorb the punishment and still be able to put out his heavy shots. And it's, it's a very delicate balance because you do not teach an old dog new tricks usually. Amen. And a, a heavyweight that likes to brawl is probably the hardest dog to change the tricks in all of boxing. And you've seen this a bunch, and i followed the sport and seen this a bunch too. And after these two losses, uh, I've, heard, I've heard fighters, I've heard experts talk about this, I've heard corner people talk about this, that once you have been beaten up like that a couple of times, you are more susceptible to take a big punch and get rattled, get dropped again. And so you had that's part of the intrigue for Saturday night. You have Listen, to wonder, one, is it going to happen again to uh, AK Babyface? We'll find out. The one saving grace, if you are on the, on the camp of, of, uh, of AKA Babyface, is this. The two losses came against the same guy. Mm -hmm. So there will be those who are looking at it as though the glass is half full, who might say, yeah, you know, he just, Hellenius just had his number. But other than that, he's going to be good against these other guys. I don't know the answer to that, but I guess we're going to find out against uh, against uh, you know when he you know when he fights Demarezian on Saturday. Is it is it the fact that that Kalenis just had his number, or is he now damaged uh, for the rest of his career? And now he's going to be able to be gotten to by Demarezian or, or any other good quality heavyweight. Uh, we'll see. But there, that's one of the reasons why there's intrigue. There will be a lot of people there, I'm sure, cheering very loudly for uh, Adam in the fight. And listen, 
anytime you got an, uh, that kind of heavyweight matchup, particularly where there's a strong crowd favorite, uh, it makes it exciting. And knowing the style that these guys have, uh, I think it lends itself to be an entertaining fight. And hopefully um, the main event, if they put on the kind of excitement that I think people suspect, at least uh, hopefully Garcia and Benavides can, uh, you know, follow through with a, with a fight worthy of what may have come before them. Really good undercard names and Gary Antoine Russell undefeated. I know you've been talking a lot about him and writing about him against Rancis Bartholomew. That kicks off the triple header on Showtime. But uh, Sergey Derevianchenko, uh, Vito uh, Malinecki, they're on the undercard in separate fights, obviously, uh, as well. So you got some names on this undercard, too. So there's this. Yeah, just so the peeps know, by the way, the uh, the fights involving Milnicki and uh, Devonchenko, they are going to be available if you want to watch them. They're not on the Showtime broadcast, but Showtime will stream them live on their Facebook and YouTube channels. Uh, I believe starting at seven o'clock Eastern time, whereas the main card starts at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So those fights, if you're, if you really want to see them also uh, will be available to you uh, to get you set up for the main three fights. Anxious for all of that. We'll see what happens here on the preview mode. Uh, again, one more time to the audience. Thank you for finding us. We will draw for that Haney Cambosis poster. Um, the, uh, the first fight. Now the second fight is believed to be coming in October, but we got a poster from the first fight that we're giving away to somebody that rated and reviewed us uh, since the beginning of June. Thank you for doing that. So one more housekeeping public service announcement. Stand by. We'll contact somebody that's won. And thank you to everybody that's been listening, following us, finding us, rating us, and reviewing us. Anything else in closing here before we get out of here on the preview? We all good? Well, I was just going to mention as it relates, because we, really we really didn't get into much on the uh, Russell and the Bartholomew fight. It's a good matchup for Gary, for Gary Antoine Russell. I mean, look, he's coming off the, the untimely passing of his father. Uh, in the spring, who was his trainer. Uh, now he's being trained full-time, who's always been in the corner as an assistant by his older brother, Gary Russell Jr., who, of course, is the former WBC featherweight champion. Uh, listen, I've thought a tremendous amount of Gary Antoine Russell since the day he turned pro, even when I saw him in the amateurs. He was on the United States Olympic team in 2016, a tremendous talent. Um, he's undefeated as a pro, won all of his fights by knockout. And again, they're not looking to match this guy tough. He's 15-0 with 15. He's coming off a great victory against Victor Postal, former junior welterweight title holder that took place in February. He had never been stopped before, even in a unification fight against Terrence Crawford a few years ago. And he just made him look like he didn't belong in the ring with him, stopped him in the 10th round of what had been a fairly one-sided fight. And now Bartholomew is a different kind of fighter than Postal, but a similar in the sense that he's a, a veteran, but not an old shot veteran, a guy that's been around. Bartholomew was a great amateur out of the Cuba system. He's won titles at junior lightweight and lightweight. And uh, I give Bartholomew credit for taking on uh, Gary Antoine Russell. No easy task. Nobody really, want, really wants to fight this guy. Uh, Bartholomew is going to do it. He's never been stopped. He, I think, has a good chin. And uh, we'll see. I mean, if, if, if Gary Antoine Russell can go back to back and score scoring victories, especially if they're both by knockout, against Victor Postal and Rancis Bartholomew, you no longer can, you know, I, I already am not really calling him a prospect. He's sort of like transitioning to like legitimate contender. But if he puts those two wins in his pocket, he's absolutely not only a contender, but he's worthy of being, you know, in that top, you know, eight, nine, whatever of the weight class. He's an outstanding prospect. And uh, I do believe that in the future, you'll see Gary Antoine Russell with a world championship belt wrapped around his waist at some point. He's a, he's a, a really good young fighter. All right. Good to know. Good to end on. Those are junior welterweights that will kick off the Showtime PPC uh, triple header that's coming up on Saturday night. One more reminder. We're on the Bet U.S. 
uh, boxing preview show, BetUS TV, their app, their YouTube page, Friday at 1 Eastern. You can watch it later, obviously, on Friday. Uh, see uh, Dan's mug, see my balding head, see whatever you want to see and get some great fight picks there as well. I'm going to mention again to you, my friend, for all the ridicule of me, I'm 11-2 and two the last four weeks on the show, 4-0 last week. Uh, on the show. So let's see what happens this week with the picks of these triple header uh, fights and everything else that's going on this weekend on BetUS. Again, the big fight weekend preview is done. Fight Freaks Unite recap coming off the weekend. Make sure you're following and subscribing on this podcast feed. You'll get it automatically. Have a great weekend, my friend. I appreciate chopping it up with you again on the preview. I'll see you on the big BetUS show tomorrow. Love that. We love Dan Rayfield's insight. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for finding us here. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We recap it coming off the weekend here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. Bye.